no one, not even the Taravalan Talks team, is ready to talk about this one. We're bracing ourselves to discuss episode 6 of season 2 of The Wheel of Time. We're going to start this intro off with a trigger warning. The discussion of episode 6 will include mention of psychological and physical torture. As always, we do have a spoiler warning. This episode will contain spoilers for both the TV show and the book series. So here it goes. Here we have Dahl, Diana, and Finya diving into episode six of season two of The Wheel of Time. Oh, yeah. That was a hard one. That was really, really hard to watch. Yeah. Are, are we all doing okay after that episode? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I actually think that dark as it is, and it is a really dark episode, it's my favorite so far this season. It was really well done. Yeah, like it was it was incredibly well acted. It felt very cohesive in a way that some of the earlier seasons, some of the earlier episodes haven't to me. And it was like I couldn't look away. I mean, it kind of partially in a horrifying kind of way, but also just in a really compelling TV show kind of way. Yeah, I am. I don't know if I fully agree with that. Like, so I've I've in preparation for this podcast, finally got myself to rewatch the episode like right before we were recording. And like a lot of this episode is like little flashes of scenes. I think that there's like some really good moments. Everything with Egwene and Rena in this episode is incredible. Everything with Rand and Lanfear and Matt is incredible. And I have some questions about what's going on with Moiraine and Lan. It was great to see Swan again. I'm just, we're just like, I'm just going to like review everything up at the top. It was great to see Swan again. I still have questions about that, though. Like there, there are parts of this episode that are super amazing. And then there are parts of this episode that do feel still pretty disjointed to me. And, and kind of like, I thought we were going to have more movement on this plot line by episode six of an eight episode season. But that is, that is my high level thought. I think that's fair. <laughs> also, as an Egwene fangirl, like unapologetic Egwene fangirl, she is maybe my favorite character in the book. She is definitely my favorite female character. Like, I knew that this part was going to be hard, but oh my god, this episode was hard to watch. Like, I was in tears by the end of it. The end broke me. Yeah. So do we want to start at the top then? <laughs> yeah, which is not a fun place to start, because we start just right away with... Rena the Soldom dragging Egwene into her demone cell and like telling Egwene how being an, a, a Domine works. She can't hurt Rena. She can't remove the Autumn. She is not a person anymore. Although Rena is so kind and will let Egwene keep her name, unlike in the books. I kept waiting for her to take it away as a punishment. Me too. I think it makes sense as a change, though. It makes sense for. Egwene to keep her name in the show because for non-book readers who are watching it, like they're just going to get confused by all of these new names showing up. I know I would. So I think that's an easy thing that they can just excise. Yeah, I wasn't mad about it. I felt like the this episode did a really good job of showing like how horrific being a Damane is for people from the Westlands um, and like in particular for Egwene and like yes taking her name would have been like an additional part of that but it doesn't feel like it was necessary for like the episode to drive home its point so I'm not I'm, I agree with you I'm not like how dare they make her keep her name yeah. no. <laughs> I also liked that like it showed that Rena was a kind soldom and that like this is what <laughs> kindness looks like 
from a Soldom perspective. That actor that plays Rena, like, she legit looked psycho. Mm -hmm. And when she was talking about how... Sorry, quick interruption. I think that they use they-them pronouns. She she uses she, they, he. I checked their Instagram uh, earlier today or yesterday. Thank you. They just had this completely deranged look on their face when speaking about how, unlike other Soldoms, I I believe we should cultivate our friendship. And it was almost, God, that's almost scarier than someone who is outright mean. Yeah. I mean, Rena thinks that they're being kind. Yeah. Like, Rena thinks that this is a totally normal thing to do, and that's terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the actors, uh, Celia Mendez Jones, which is who I really wanted them to have play Galad. Uh, but this <laughs> that, is that fine. <laughs> this is a very different role, but this is also fine. But they, like, they and Madeline uh, Madden make this episode work. Mm. Like, their chemistry, for lack of a better word. Um, yeah. And, like, <laughs> Well, it is chemistry. It is chem- <laughs> it is it is a type of chemistry. Like the way that they play off of each other in every scene that mm-hmm. like Rena is like very like at first very like calm, very kind, uh incredibly condescending because she doesn't see Egwene as human. No. And then Madeline Madden like standing up, but also like her physical acting every time she's being tortured by the Adon, like was incredible. Like give Madeline Madden an Emmy nom slash award for this episode. Honestly, yes. She deserves it. Sheila Mendez-Jones deserves, like, the two of them carry this episode. And if this episode hadn't landed, like, this this season I don't think works. Yeah, the, this driving home the just how cruel the Shang-Chan are. Like, we've seen their casual cruelty with, you know, just wiping out villages and throwing tsunamis at little girls. <laughs> but... <laughs> the hierarchy of people all the way down to where the domine are not human and you know the high blood are god like it, it kind of it gives you that gravitas of all of it in a way that if this hadn't landed i don't think it would have worked yeah absolutely just to like piggyback off about jumping somewhat ahead in the episode like we see that also at lady Seroth's party where um Leal and ingtar are like serving her guests. She's having this like party in her rooms because she still can't go to court. And like she is so like she has full command and full control over that room and over Loyal and Ingtar. And she's like showing off that she has like an Ogier servant and like makes him tree sing like essentially as like a party trick. Yeah. Which sort of backfires on her because like that party seemed very lively. Like it was very funny. Like they were like, like everyone was like laughing and blah, blah, blah. And then when he starts tree singing, like at first they're laughing at him, but it's a very moving thing to see someone sing at like a bonsai tree and like see it grow. Especially considering that he. Unlike probably the Ogier of from Shanshan, who grew up in that system, Oyo obviously holds this tree singing as sacred and still holds on to those old ways, and it was hurting him so much to do it. Yeah, it really, a Seroth miscalculated, brought down the vibes of her party, for sure. And she notices that, and she, like, claps, and she's like, that's enough, but, like, haha, this is so funny. And then she starts joking about how she's going to give the sung tree to Tarak, and, like, sends Leal off. And as Ingtar and Leal are walking away, Ingtar is like, I found the horn, it's, like, barely guarded. They know, they clearly, no one in the society thinks that they would steal it from Tarak, and he's, like, perplexed by that. 
But the kennels where Egwene is kept and the other Damani are kept are incredibly well guarded. Um, and so Ingtar seems to think that, like, it's not worth saving her, which makes sense. Ingtar has, like, maybe seen her for, like, one second. I mean, strategically, he's probably right. Yeah. Emotionally, no. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't agree with this. And I'm on <laughs> yeah. Loyal. Loyal is like, we are getting Egwene. On a broader scale, it is important to save her, but they don't know that. They don't know that. Yeah. They're not omniscient. They don't know how important she is yep. to the last battle. Based on the information they have at hand. Right. And based on the information they have on hand, she's just a young girl who would have been an Aes Sedai. Also, of course, Ingtar wouldn't want to save her because that would go against Ishamaya. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I like completely forgot about that until just now. Like, forgot where his loyalties lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that makes total sense that he is not interested at all in saving her. Speaking of the Forsaken. <laughs> so one thing I really appreciate about this episode is that most of the time when it's like, here's this really hard scene with, with Egwene, it is then followed up by a scene that is in some ways full of joy. And so we cut from Egwene being, uh, being like the initial torture scene with her to Rand being tied to the wheel and Lanfear and just more shirtless Yosha, please. And thank you. That man looks so good. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, where's the joy in this scene? <laughs> oh, oh, the, the joy isn't how stunning and sexy they both are. <laughs> they look so good. That throne that Lanfear was sitting on and the headdress and everything. It just, it, 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 I can't really... Take Lanfear seriously in that outfit. I, I hate, so I hate much, the hat. So much eye makeup. <laughs> I hate the hat. I think everything else looks great. She's just, the hat makes her look like she's wearing like a baby bonnet. I'm like, girl, this isn't, this isn't quite the, the vibe I think that you're going for. <laughs> See, to me, I think it looks more like, like the, the, the Mucha. Is it, am I saying that name right? The artist, the with the the goddess, the. I don't think I know it. Clearly, none of us are art people. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know what they are like, if you see them. Um, it's Alphonse Mucha. He was the Art Nouveau. Okay, I do actually know that name. To be fair, I do not because I am very much not an art person. I'm gonna link to one like. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, you found it. I I do know these. I did not know that was this artist. Yeah, like the the whole thing, just like the Art Nouveau and the hair and the crown, even the headdress, kind of looks like one of the like the backdrops, and it, it all just screams Mucha Girl. Mm. It would be very evocative of the season one opener or like opening sequence. Cause at least the, I think all of the ice that I have a sort of like halo thing around their heads in that opening sequence. But I mean, this doesn't, this just doesn't look like a halo to me. It doesn't look like a halo. It doesn't look like horns. It doesn't look like a crown. Like it's really giving baby bonnet, which on top of like a full dominatrix outfit is just confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd choice. Yeah. Not really seeing baby bonnet i'm still seeing like elizabethan head bonnet not baby bonnet i think it's because it's like it uh goes forward maybe kind of baby bonnet-esque but i also think that elizabethan bonnets look like baby bonnets so glad we moved away from that fashion (laughs) (laughs) what it kind of reminds me of actually is um classic doctor who time lord 
wear. Um, because <laughs> the, the most Fenya take I have ever heard. <laughs> it is. But the like the classic the classic who time lords have these big collars. Granted, most of them are red. I don't think they go for black necessarily. Necessarily, but that's what it reminds me of. Mm. If this was a collar, that would totally work for me because then that would be like Elizabethan like collar crown type of situation. But just I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Landry is going to haunt my dreams tonight because I critiqued her fashion sense. <laughs> uh, um, she, like, t- takes Rand off of the wheel. She unties him from the wheel. Uh, no, thank you. Please put him back. So that he can trust her or to, like, show him that he can trust her. And then she, like, lays out basically, like, Ishamael's whole plan to him. She's like, oh, your friends aren't here. You Like, you isolated yourself from them. And now he's going to kidnap that or take all of them and turn them to the dark side. And, like... He is like, well, tell me where they are. Like, help me. <laughs> and she calls him Luz. Ugh. It's his name. But also, Finya just posted a picture of the Time Lord, and she's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, are Time Lords that different from the Forsaken when you really think about it? Like, <sighs> no. Long-lived can kind of, like, rebirth themselves in a way. <laughs> like... If the Forsaken are just Time Lords, it's canon. Committed war crimes. Committed war crimes. Yeah. Same sense of fashion. <laughs> Same sense of fashion. <laughs> oh, incredible. Incredible. Anyway, back to Rand. Back to you. Yeah. Rand, Rand, shirtless Rand, like, stepping up to Lanfear, like, definitely seems to, like, get her going. She's like, oh, okay. Like, I can work with this. Um, And to which I say, go get it, girl. <laughs> like... I can't, I, I want to really emphasize that I truly cannot stand Lanfear in the books. And for all of the people who are like, oh, I really hated Leandrin in the books, but I like her in the show. That is my journey with Lanfear. Like, I'm really liking her in the show. I'm I'm really loving the way that Natasha O'Keefe is playing her. Like, she's more, she's slightly more subtle. She's slightly more, like, seems sort of on Rand's side. A little more competent. Very much more competent. Uh, it's hard to get less competent than Lanfear in the books. Um, and also just like really not giving crazy ex-girlfriend energy in the same way. Yet. Yet. (laughs) Yet. But I mean, the Lanfear in the show got Rand to fall in love with her. Like that's way better than Lanfear in the books ever did. Yeah. Once Rand has Lanfear's whole plan, presumably, he wakes up and tells Moiraine that he has to leave to protect her from Lanfear. Um, and like, also one of the things that Lanfear did in the dream world is she told Rand the like like basically kind of Moiraine's entire plan of like bringing Logan to Carrion and like you know she's like why are you in Carrion now like you've still been doing everything that she wants you to do and so he seems like he's simultaneously trying to protect Moiraine but also is incredibly suspicious of her mm-hmm. and so he like calls her out for all of her continued suspicious behavior towards him and then leaves and we cut to Matt and Min who are in the foregate there's more Trolloc puppets which is very cool yeah, that the whole carnival thing is going on, and you see the puppets and everything, and lots of drunk revelers dancing around. They've really done a good job of making the foregate like look good. Yeah, they're really like trying to keep the sense of the foregate from the books and like bring it into the show and really make it real. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um. So now we've like Min, Min and Matt are in Carrion, and Rand is in Carrion. So like, 
soon, soon they will probably link up. Soon. Um, I I realized in looking at my notes that this this episode more so than kind of the others does a thing that doesn't work for me in shows, which is that it feels like it jumps us into the beginning of a conversation and then like kind of let has us leave before the con- the like meat of the conversation actually happens so it does it to that or it does that to us kind of with like Lanfear and rand like she's like oh i'll tell he's like tell me everything that ishamayel is doing and then she's like okay and then we wait jump to rand waking up and like kind of the same thing with matt and min like yes it grounds us in that like they're in the foregate but then matt is like wanders away and min is like where are you going and he's like come on and then we cut away from them and it's like this Scene is helpful as a grounding scene, but like there's nothing actually happening here. Yeah, but like with Rand and Lanfear, we really need five minutes of her telling her everything we already know. No, no, no. Um, and definitely not because we get exposition later. It's more that like it was in my own. This happens a ton. This happens in like basically every scene, especially in the first half of this episode. Like then later on, we start to like actually get the meat of the conversations. But I'm like, for some of these scenes, I didn't need to be grounded. For some of these scenes, like. If I'm watching the show, I already know where we are. Like, I already know what these characters are doing. So, like, you can just jump me into the middle of the conversation. Like, I'll be fine. I think that part of that, though, is because you're so familiar with what's going on. And so this is more helpful for a newer viewer who hasn't, who who doesn't have that deep grounding in the in the events that you do. Yeah. If they hadn't done these establishing shots, someone who didn't read the books and didn't know kind of the run of events, they might not have understood quite as much where they were and what what was going on. Yeah, that could be. That could be. I think I feel it the most with Elaine and Nynaeve. There's like a lot of setup scenes that I feel like could have been one scene, but we'll get there. Well, actually, no, we won't get there because we're there in my notes. <laughs> they Yeah, they maybe could have done a little less jumping around, but it, again, it's... I, I still think that it's giving you information that you know but that other viewers don't yeah i think it also it worked for me better on the first time through and it might work better for me i personally think the show is much better marathoned than coming out all at once i want it to continue to come out or coming out one at a time like i want them to continue to release the episodes this way for season three because i think it maintains hype for the show which is what i want more than anything else so that we can get all eight seasons that rafe has planned out but i i think when watching, when rewatching this episode in isolation, I was sort of like, all right, all right, all right. Like, you know, I kind of yada, yada, yada at a lot of scenes. I'm like, we can, we can keep going. But I think watching it the first time, it is helpful to kind of have the show establish where we are. And then watching it in marathon, it, I don't think it'll feel quite as like time wasty almost. And like in a 70 minute episode, there's a lot of time to fill, but I'm, I am also like keenly aware of what we haven't done yet in the show. And we're on episode six. So I'm like, do we need all of this? I don't know. They're leaving a lot for those last two episodes. That's for sure. Yeah. They're not leaving. And where's Tyr? Where's Bane and Chiad? We're not going to Tyr yet. We're not getting to Tyr this season. We like, we've already seen the stone in some of the promo stuff that they did for season two. Was it the stone or was it Turok's uh, palace or was it the kennels? I, I That's a good point. I would want to go back and watch the videos. It really, it still felt like the stone. I could be totally wrong. Mm-hmm. I think we were. But also Rafe has said like, I think he kept being like this, this show or this season is going to be books two and three. And so far it's like been book two. I don't remember books two and three 
independently enough to have anything to say about that. No, if it was going to end at the end of book three, I don't think we're going to get two here. I really don't. Then I'm curious how we are going to do book four in season three, which is like, from what I remember of reading preseason stuff, it was season two is book three, two and three. Season three is book four, like fully book four, which makes sense because a ton of stuff happens there. And like a bunch of the tier stuff can be shortened because most of book three is just them getting to tier. But like, I don't, I, I just like, like we talked about in the run up to season two, like I have questions about pacing. Like I just, I have, I, I have worries because I am a fan and I want this to work. I'll see. I think that. Yes, I have worries about what's going to happen in the future, but what we've seen so far has, like, I don't necessarily have worries about that, if that makes sense. Like, it's, it's generic worry, not specific worry. Because the season so far, I think, has been really good. I think this season has been incredible. Like, I would not do anything different except more episodes. Uh, and add the title card back or the opener back in. Like, we can we could live... We could have those 30 seconds back. It's okay. <laughs> but like, I love this season to be clear. It's like, I don't have any criticisms with what they have done so far. I'm more like, where are we going? And that's why I think this episode will work better on Marathon too, because I'll, I'll know the destination. So I'll be more on board with the journey. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yep. Back to nine, even Elaine. <laughs> and they're, they're sitting there arguing about trusting Rima. While her warder basin is sitting there looking, like, right in front of them. <laughs> and it, it just seems funny. No one ever accused them of being particularly smart all the time. Or subtle. <laughs> or subtle. <laughs> These are not, <laughs> especially Nynaeve and Elaine are not team subtlety. <laughs> like, in, so, in doing so, they, like, tell Rima about Leandrin kidnapping them, about breaking mm -hmm. the three oaths. Like, they reveal that the Black Aja is... A thing without even really realizing it, because un well, no, this they hadn't been given the black Aja, the hunt for the black Aja by Swan, had they? No, no, no. Okay, not no in the books. Sorry, not in the show. Oh, in the books, I don't remember when they get that. Uh, I feel like I think they do because that was the conceit that got them to leave the tower, and then Leandrin took them to Alma instead. That's right. Yeah. Although, or do they get it when they come back? Because they after farm they go back to the tower and then they leave again right yeah but i think they had gotten it before because when they come back is when they recruit the other uh, aes Sedai into it and they sort of take over in the tower okay because that's when they start making people re-swear the uh mm, they don't do that that's um no that's what i'm saying the other aes Sedai start doing that so like when they go back they recruit the aes Sedai to help oh yeah yeah i can't remember the timeline that well. This is why we need to do a reread. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that particular event that you're talking about, Doll, happens like a lot later on in the series. Yeah, that part does. But when they go back to the towers, when they recruit those Aes Sedai to help them, because like the Swan gives them the thing while they're in Falm, you know, they come back and then she's almost immediately dethroned. And in that time period, they had started talking to the other Aes Sedai about the hunt for the Black Aja. Mm, yeah, yeah. And then they end up going to, off to Saladar with it. They go to Tyr first. Well, they go to Tyr and then Saladar. So they, they've they never heard of the Black Aja before. This is the first mention yeah. that any of the Wonder Girls are going to hear of the Black Aja. Uh, but this is 
I'm I'm totally okay with this being how they find out. Like this makes a lot more sense from a, a cohesion perspective, like a fluid storytelling perspective um, in the show. And like, it's important that like Rema seems really concerned. Like she is like, oh shoot, if the Black Asha are in, are a real thing and in the tower, like all of the Aes Sedai are in danger. We are all in danger. I'm going to stick with them for a second because there is a bunch of jumping around, but I feel like all of their scenes are very cohesive together. Mm-hmm. Later on, Rema comes back again, again to Nynaeve and Elaine arguing. They argue so much in this episode. They are yes. constantly fighting. But if they weren't, would we get Nynaeve's uh, incredible line about how she's not pacing, she's investigating? No, it's true. <laughs> not pacing, I'm investigating. <laughs> also at one point she's like she's like elaine you have you have other responsibilities you're the daughter of andor and elaine's like oh now you care that i'm the daughter heir. now that you're trying to get rid of me i loved that like quick comeback from elaine just like their banter is amazing and i hope they keep it up forever <laughs> yeah Remba comes back and tells them that she's spoken to a ship's captain who will take them out of the city is this a bail domon reference perhaps I have to assume it was Bale. That's what I thought. Yeah, same. I hope so. But Elaine and Nynaeve are steadfast and adamant that they will not leave the city until they save Egwene. Elaine says it's because Egwene was her first friend. And I'm pretty sure Elaine is 19 or 20, which is so sad. Morgase, let your daughter make friends, please. I mean, in a lot of ways, even if she had quote unquote friends, they wouldn't have really been her friends because they would have been the daughter heir's friends. And I can see how even if she had people that were friendly with her and were, you know, went to classes or even played with her, they would have played with her as her subjects. Mm-hmm. And Egwene treated her as an equal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference. It was the first person who treated her as a friend and not as the daughter heir. Yeah. Yeah, I I 100% agree. Like, Egwene clearly is not impressed by her being the daughter heir. Like, she doesn't (laughs) give a fuck. And I think Elaine really appreciates that. (laughs) She has no fuck. Yeah. She's like, oh, someone who treats me as a person, not the daughter heir. How nice. Although it's clearly less nice when she has to deal (laughs) with Nynaeve, who's doing basically the same thing. (laughs) Uh, She's like, you could maybe be nicer (laughs) to me. I am still the daughter heir. Rema tasks the three, the um, Elaine and Nynaeve and herself with um, open, figuring out how to open up the Adom collar and bracelet. If they can't do that, they can't rescue Egwene. And we get this like cool scene of them. Uh, this is another thing where like she says that and then we cut away. So <laughs> in the next scene where we cut to them again, they're channeling very slightly to study it. Um, and a Elaine, who has the talent for Terangrial, from what I remember from the books, is the one who like identifies it doesn't have a seam, um, and like they can't they can't figure out how to open it. Like it's not clear. Something I really appreciated about this scene, we haven't quite gotten to it in your description of it, but eventually, like Nynaeve, in a in a burst of power, uh, figures it out, and that burst of power is a problem. But um, I really appreciated that. We see, uh, you've been pronouncing it Rema. I've always thought it was Rima. In the show, they would say, like, it's like Rima. Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah, I don't actually remember how they pronounce it in the show. I just I just know how it's spelled. Pronunciation is a fluid thing in Wheel of Time. It's true. <laughs> um, but we see her 
explain to Nynaeve a way to channel that Nynaeve understands. And I think this is the first time that we see Nynaeve intentionally channel. Yes, 100%. It is really nice. Before we get that, um, Rima kind of discusses that the mission that the Aes Sedai were on when they came to Falm, that they had heard of Strange Beasts, first girl mention, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, we only have seen Grom in carvings on the ships. We haven't actually seen them in person, but I'm hoping we'll see them uh, in episode seven or eight. Um, and also she shows off the rings of the Aes Sedai. Uh, one was blue, one was green, one was brown. It was really dark. I couldn't tell. It was very dark, whatever it was. I'm going to go with brown because the Black Ajah don't have rings, but it looked like a black stone. <laughs> But I'm going to guess that it was brown. Um, and so the the brown sister and the green sister were killed and the blue sister was captured. She's a sitter of the blue Aja. Uh, at this point in the episode, we have already heard Megan's accent because she is Egwene's next door cellmate. You heard her accent. I just heard somebody muttering. Okay. <laughs> I did not pick up on the accent until the last scene. Mm. Yeah, it's so if you listen closely, it's like the slightly Scottish yeah. accent. And this episode, um, if you watch the episode preview, is very helpful because they show the scene where Megan says that to, is talking to Moiraine and she says she's going to go west. So the show does kind of try to prime you to like be like, remember Megan? As soon as they showed that, I was like, I don't want to remember Megan. I don't want her to get captured, <laughs> even though we knew <laughs> that was what was going to happen to her. I mean, I knew it was Megan from the blue sitter part. I didn't hear the accent. It didn't occur to me that it was an Aes Sedai next shell, cell over. Like. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty, we haven't quite gotten to that scene yet, but I'm pretty sure it's essential that Egwene recognizes that it's a Westland accent and not like the Sean Chan slash American accent. It could have just been somebody from Palm that got collared because they collared a bunch of women from Palm. Yeah, but like... It's important that it is yeah. it is a Westland accent, so that's why she tries mm-hmm. to make friends with them instead of just like another Sean Chandamane. So, but yeah, it, it is, it is indeed Megan, which we see at the end of the, of the episode. So sad. So sad. Not satisfying. So sad. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Rema says it's a sister of the Blue Aja, sitter of the Blue Aja, um, and that they were friends. Later on, she's also going to give the Wonder Girls these rings. And I was like, yes, <laughs> they're still going to get Aes Sedai rings. Answering one of my biggest questions from the show of, just because Nynaeve has an accepted ring, how is she going to pretend to be Aes Sedai now that they have stones? Hopefully they won't just give these rings away again like Egwene did with the rings that she got in the last season that I was sure were going to, how she was going to pretend to be an Aes Sedai, but you know. But I think that Elaine and Nynaeve are much more scheming than Egwene is in this specific respect because like it makes sense that Egwene is going to give the rings back to the Aes Sedai because she wants to impress them. She wants to become an Aes Sedai. Like, you know, she's she's trying to do things by the books. And Nynaeve and, and Elaine are like, no, we're going to use everything we have to get you out of here. Yeah. We're not, we're going to keep these because we know something's wrong with the tower. Obviously, there's something wrong with the situation that they're trying to, to fix. So I don't, I don't think they're going to give them up. Yeah. At the time when Egwene gave them to the Amaralyn, she just thought she was going to be in the tower. And, like, that was the end of it. You know, Rand was off with Maureen or whatever. Yeah. She didn't know that they were going to leave. She didn't know that she was going to, you know, get kidnapped and collared. 
like that naivety is gone so at this point though i don't see them and i don't know they may not even go back to the tower at this point I don't I don't think they would. I don't know what point what plot point reason there would be for them to go back at this point. Like mm-hmm. they have effectively accomplished everything that they needed to from the tower plots from the books already. Yeah. Um, and it saves so much time to just have them go straight to Tier uh and then do the Egwene plot going forward after Tier and the Nynaeve and Elaine plot going forward after Tier, which I'm gonna keep vague for minimal spoilers <laughs> um, and like they they don't ever need to go back to the tower other than you know late late book stuff for certain characters so yeah and like Fenya mentioned Dynaeve channels a big burst of energy which is a problem I hadn't quite gotten there in my rewatch <laughs> but <laughs> the this entire time Rema has been like we have to channel very very little because the Shan Chan have Soldam and Damane going through the city they can they're trying to sense for women who can channel and so if we channel a ton like they'll easily be able to find us so when Nynaeve channels this like big burst of spirit it immediately brings the Shan Chan down on them uh Rema selflessly sacrifices herself to um, keep the Wonder Girl safe. She and her warder go out to challenge the Shan Chan. Um, and there is a pretty epic battle. Epic. <laughs> so epic. Yeah. It is crazy. And like Nynaeve and Elaine just have to like watch in silence. Like at one point, Elaine even like puts her hand over Nynaeve's mouth as Rema just like, like at first they're kind of like balanced, kind of holding their own. Um, and then Rema's warder gets killed. And she goes crazy uh, and uses the one power as a weapon, but I'm presuming it's in the last defense of her life and her warders, so it seems okay. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, she definitely knew that she was going to, if she didn't do anything, she was going to get captured. And they killed her warder, so she was... Feeling threatened. Feeling threatened. And like I think, uh, Finya, you shared a tweet that the <laughs> official wheel time... Was that from the official account no so so um that was the uh watt series twitter account which um had dug up or or re-dug up information on the actress who uh gets killed um and she's a contortionist so like this scene that they do where rema is um using the one power to like crumple up their bodies like she actually does that it's not CGI, or maybe there's a little bit of CGI, but like she's ac- an, an actual contortionist. I think the CGI was mostly just to show the power. I think she was physically contorting herself in that way. Yeah, and like it was credited as Soldom, all bones broken. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we understand that now. Yes. Yep. Wow. Because <laughs> it was very convincing. It was. I was. I was very much like, holy heck. Also, as like. As that scene happens, you can see that her demane is also, like, just curled up in, like, the fetal position. Yeah. Uh, really driving home that, like, whatever a demo- a, what hap- whatever happens to a soul dom happens to a demane, like, twice over. Yeah. Um, at least, like, in terms of what they feel. Um, so, yeah. So, she does that. She uh, either burns the face or puts boils on the face of one of the other soul dom. But ultimately, it doesn't matter because she is collared. So they have yet another Aes Sedai. I hope she escapes. I don't know if that's going to happen. 
But I want her to. Yeah. I hope so, too. She had, she was asking her warder to kill her uh, when the the Adon, or not the Adon, the Domine kills her warder, which I was just like, oh, my God, this is so sad. Traumatic. Yeah, it was. Like much of this episode. <laughs> yeah. 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 Early on in this episode, there's some interesting stuff going on with Lanfair and Leandrin. Uh, Leandrin is back in Tarvalon. She's visited her son, uh, and Lanfear shows up out of the blue. Leandrin throws a fireball at her, and Lanfear's like, nah. <laughs> bats it away like a fly. Uh, and then, like, proceeds to do quite possibly the strangest recruiting tactic I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> she, kills yeah, she kills Leandrin's son in front of her while talking about the reason that Leandrin's son ever existed, which is that Leandrin was forced, it was like forced as a child bride. Um, presumably that's where her son came from. Mm-hmm. And like talks about how like Leandrin swore her oaths to the dark to keep her son alive. Mm-hmm. But he's a shackle. He's holding her back. <laughs> and so like Lanfear is going to quote unquote set Leandrin free to really serve the dark in all ways by getting rid of her son. And Lanfear's also like, why do you serve Ishamael? He's a guy. You hate men. And I'm like, is she going to serve you? Though you murdered her son. I mean, she was also struggling because she could see that he was suffering. Because this is now why she doesn't know how long she's been keeping the secret. She's been keeping him artificially alive for 80 or 90 years. So he's probably 200 years old at this point. That does make some sense. (laughs) I I cut her a little bit more slack. Yeah, so, and he's not quite um, really alive. Like, he's not barely alive, but not really. So in some ways, it's a a mercy. Like, she couldn't do it herself. Yeah, but she doesn't seem thrilled. I mean, Lanfear certainly thinks it's a mercy. Uh, Lanfear thinks a lot of things, but I don't think mercy is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Landfear Land has some questionable methods of <laughs> She She may use the word mercy, but I don't believe that's what she thinks. <laughs> yeah. I do kind of wonder if this is going to set us up for Leandrin eventually following Mogadian because she's going to be like, well, you're a woman and you're a female forsaken and you're not Grendel and you also didn't kill my son. So. Yeah. <laughs> Like, maybe Lanfear is just, like, doing Mogedian a favor here, because she thinks Mogedian is incompetent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We get more uh, Forsaken fun a little later, where uh, Rand has another dream sequence that he's killed all of his friends, um, courtesy of Ishamael, thanks Ishamael. And Lanfear, who had told Rand earlier, like, oh, I've been keeping Ishamael out of your dreams, shows up and banishes him and calls Ishamael Ishii. Yes. Which is, like, what I have... Always called a Shamael if I didn't want to type his full name. <laughs> Same. Like, I've even said it on the podcast. I've been calling him Ishii. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is canon. I, obviously, they listen to the podcast. Lanfear listens to the podcast. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. I, I firmly believe that at least one member of the podcast, or not of the podcast, is of the writing crew is a Tumblr girl. <laughs> <laughs> Or like deeply steeped in the wheel of time fandom, uh, because this is this was the funniest moment of this episode to me it was her being like Ishi, darling, go away, <laughs> like banishing him. I was like, these two are such old frenemies to lovers to frenemies again. Mm-hmm. Like it's so funny. Lanfear and Rand go to Egwene in the dream world, and they sh- Rand sees Egwene as a domine and like in the cell. 
looking real rough. But right before he can touch her face, Lanfear is like, and nope. This is like the closest to crazy ex-girlfriend that she gets. So far. So far. She's like, no. I mean, what was Rand expecting, though? He expected Egwene in the tower. Like, no, I too no, would no, be no, terrified. No, 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 no. I, I, don't mean, I don't mean specifically with regards to um, Egwene's situation. Like, obviously, he was not expecting that. But, like, if he asks his current girlfriend to take him to his ex-girlfriend, who he has said that he still has feelings for, and then he finds that she's in a bad situation and tries to help, like... I'm not trying to just I'm not trying to justify Lanfear, but also Lanfear is the crazy ex-girlfriend. Like, of course she's not gonna react well to seeing Rand have feelings for someone else. Like she's heard about that, but this is the first time that she's actually been confronted with it. So And like if anything, Rand has sort of like in the show, been like, I don't care about Egwene. Like, he told Lanfear that Lanfear's the first woman who's ever seen him as a man. Still irritated about that. <laughs> and, like, he is like, I love you to Lanfear. So, like, if anything, I'm more sympathetic to Lanfear being like, no, absolutely not. Not with this girl who's, like, your ex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who never saw you as a man, despite banging you for at least a year. <laughs> like, just wild wild stuff from land from or not land from rand from episode four but whatever we've talked about that at length this ultimately does work towards Landfear's plan though because rand gets incredibly upset about how Egwene is looking just like we all do mm-hmm. and he demands that Landfear tell him where Egwene is and says that he will do anything for that information and then we cut away so we don't know what Landfear get extracts from him, but uh, he is he is convinced that he needs to go to Falm. He needs to rescue Egwene from Ishamel's clutches, and he is on his way to do just that when he runs into Matt in the foregate, and it's such a delight. Yeah, like he start he walks past and he hears Matt's voice, and he does that double take, and it's it's just so cute. It's so cute to, to watch them come back together, like. Old friends. I forgot before that Rand initially goes to Loghain because he wants Loghain to teach him. Oh, yes. Yeah, which this scene doesn't... This is, this is like, really what I mean, though. Like, the scene... What is the purpose of this scene? Don't... I honestly don't remember what he said. Like, did Loghain agree to it? I can't remember. Not really. All that happens is that Rand... Like, see... Loghain teaches Rand how to seize the source instead of surrendering to the source. Right, 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 right. But he pulls him. Yeah, he gets a lot of spirit um, and actually looks like a raging sun, which maybe Logan can actually see. (laughs) And we can have that dialogue actually make sense. (laughs) That's like all that happens in that scene. And then we get to Rand going through the foregate and finding that. I think that's an important scene, though, because if we expect to see Rand try to use the power or successfully use the power in Falm, he has to have learned it somewhere. And this shows us where he learns how to do at least some of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, could it have been more effective? Sure. But was there a point? I think there was a point to it. Like, I want I want to see Loghain, if, if we are going to continue to lo- use Loghain in this way, I want to actually see Loghain teach Rand something concrete about channeling beyond seizing the one power. I think Loghain has been underutilized so far. Like, I... 
I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they have Alvaro Morte, who's killing it, killing the game as Loghain, doing an incredible job. I'm like, we we need a scene where Rand actually like learns a weave or something from Loghain. Like, yes, Loghain can't channel, but he can be like, try to kind of like what Rena does with Egwene later, like grab some fire, grab some earth blow up part of this courtyard okay you're good kid bye like I, that's what I wanted from that scene like that it felt again like we cut away from like the meat of that conversation and then we just cut to Rand walking away I'm like oh, okay so you s- learned how to see Sidene and then got really hot bothered and left like what happened yeah I don't know he does also say something about how he has enough power that he could yeah, he's like you can do anything with this much power which isn't entirely true but <laughs> but future Rand is going to try. He's going to try. <laughs> he needs a little bit more. Yep. Yep. But back to the best part of this episode, which is Rand and Matt being together. Um, they are so cute together. Like, oh my God. Matt is immediately like, where's your hair? You look terrible. I know. Which I don't think Rand looks terrible. I think Rand looks great. But if negging friends is Matt's love language, I'm not going to argue with it. It, it, it does really scan. Like, yep. that's Matt. <laughs> that's very much Matt. Matt and Rand go drinking together. And, like, genuinely, if the entire rest of the episode had just been the two of them hanging out, I would have loved that. I would have been told. I know I was like, what are we doing? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> this is my one exception. But, like, I want the two of these boys hanging out forever and ever. I want the Emmonsfield Five back together like I want to see them hanging out more I love them so much later on they are drinking together and like Rand has clearly told Matt about like being the dragon reborn and like like fighting Ishamael and like fighting the dark one and Matt's just like that's crazy dude like this is all nuts um they decide that they are going to go to Falm to rescue Egwene and they're definitely going to go together Matt is like nope I will definitely meet you at the gate in an hour like I'll definitely be there definitely absolutely 100 percent. yeah I'm gonna do it yep he's just got to go break a woman's heart which Matt come on you're not gonna get into men's pants stop trying <laughs> <laughs> like she's not into you dude <laughs> yeah and Matt says that he needs to stick with Rand to keep him humble essentially and then he does the cutest he like puts his hand on Rand's shoulder and is like dragon reborn and it's so cute I know uh, Donald Finn is doing an incredible job with Matt I need more Matt scenes yeah yep but speaking of men before this uh, dear, dear Ishi dear Ishi comes to talk to her and says she just has to do one more thing, and then she'll be free of her power forever. You know, she's not happy because she's already done the thing he said he ne- she needed to do. Like, come on, men, the father of lies. He introduced himself as the father of lies. <laughs> <laughs> and was then like, let's make a deal. Come on, girl. Yeah. So she needs to make sure that Matt leaves with Rand, and then she'll be free forever. And she's not happy about that. So when Matt goes back to the tower, the inn, gosh, that 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 dirty, nasty inn. Like just looking at those beds made my skin crawl. <laughs> oh my god! And Min is drinking like heavy, and they have the cutest scene where he's trying to tell her that he's <laughs> breaking up with her and leaving, and she's like, "Yeah, I know. You can't go with Rand," and he gets all upset because, you know. She's been lying to him. And the whole the whole thing just breaks my heart. Because, like, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to believe that he's going to kill Rand. 
he's upset that she's lied to him and been scheming with other people and she can't explain to him what's going on and yeah that whole scene was just rough yeah it was it has one of my favorite lines from this episode too where she's like if you love him you cannot go with him and i was like matt and rand is a ship confirmed (laughs) (laughs) i know they mean platonic love (laughs) i know i don't care (laughs) men ships it (laughs) i'm into it uh (laughs) And, like, clearly Matt does love Rand because he does choose not to go with him. He sees Rand waiting at the gate and is like, I can't. Like, if I go with him, he'll be in danger. Min said so. But but he's going to go. I I guess we'll figure that out. We'll see how it happens. He's got to get there. Someone's going to pick him up and put him in front of that dagger. Because we've Mm -hmm. seen that in the trailer. Yeah. Like, he is going to face that dagger. Maybe it's in the dream world, but I have a feeling it's in real life. Yeah. I'm guessing maybe Pat and Fane has something to do with it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, And if it's Pat and Fane, then it has to be in Falm. Yeah. Also, I mean, Rand doesn't even leave Carrion. He attempts to leave Carrion and, like, Lan and Alana pop out of nowhere and are like, you can't leave. Anytime Alana and Rand interact together, this is the first time it's happened, but my skin started to crawl. I was like, no, <laughs> these two characters may not interact in any capacity Get them off of my screen together. We've kind of skipped around all of that because of things, but that whole plot line with Lan and Alana and Maxim and Ivan at a temple to the Forsaken? Did I... Is that what it was? That's that's what they said it was. A temple seems like a stretch. It was a bunch of Forsaken towers, or not towers, statues in like a circle together. Yeah. I guess you can have an open air temple. I don't know. Who am I to judge? Or it's probably ruins. I mean, I also feel like it's quite possible that they don't actually know what it was. Oh. Or that what they're saying it was isn't actually the truth. Because lots of lots of time has passed. So just because they think it was one thing doesn't mean it actually was. Maybe it was just like Parendesian. True. It could have been like a like something to the Hundred Companions. Mm-hmm. Because mm. um, I was looking at those statues today and I was like, those don't look like the for- same Forsaken statues that we saw, but yeah, we do know that the Forsaken are worshipped in a like, if I worship you, you'll leave me alone capacity in the show canon. Yeah. So it could totally be a temple, but it was a choice, uh, which literally is what Lan says when <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like a temple to the Forsaken. <laughs> Interesting choice, which was exactly what I was typing in my notes and I'd forgotten <laughs> that was what the dialogue was. <laughs> like okay yeah and maxim's just like shelter shelter and then like glares at him like hmm hmm (laughs) like you're not being subtle at all here alana yvonne and maxim are so suspicious acting in this scene like every there's they're like the three of them are so suspicious of lan and lan is so suspicious of them that like well because they're acting like weirdos they are like my (laughs) husband was like are is because my husband knows i hate alana he doesn't know why he knows i hate alana um and he's he's like is alana a dark friend like are they all dark friends like what's going on here like it was so he was so confused and i was like i don't know i don't know what's going on <laughs> but lan lan's trying to find the amerlin and and alana's like why do you need to find the amerlin and he's like i, I need permission to go back to tarvon it, it's just so weird yep. which alana's like no you don't no you don't she didn't banish you yep 
And at, right as Lan is like going to fight his way through Yvonne and Maxim, a fight I think that Lan could win. I, I do too. Alana is like, nah, and ties him up with air and is like, tell us everything. <laughs> like, what is going on with you? And Lan is like, oh, it's about my reign. We found the dragon reborn. And my big question here is, Moiraine, you didn't tell Lan that you told Swan? Come on. <sighs> Like, Moiraine, I know you wanted your eyes that I could keep their secrets or whatever. Maybe bring your best boy in on the plan a little bit more. (laughs) What are you doing? I don't know. I don't know. Was he saying he was going to tell her that specifically? Because they ask him why she, what it was. And the only thing he says is we found the dragon reborn. He says it's about Moiraine. And then he says we found the dragon reborn. So. Right. But does it mean, necessarily mean that. He needs to talk to the Amerlin about finding him, or does he need to talk to the Amerlin about Moraine because they found the Dragon Reborn? And he, you know, it's about that. It's not necessarily that he needs to talk, tell her about it, but that's why he needs to talk to her. And he's involved in this plot and wants to talk to her about it. I agree that the dialogue is unclear. Yet another scene where I wish we had stayed for maybe in this conversation for maybe more than, like, just like 10 more seconds. Yeah, I feel like we'll, we'll get a lot more of it next week. Because, obviously, they're going to goose step Rand back to Swan. Yeah. Who is now in Carrion. Yep. Uh, she she gets, uh, which it's good that she's in Carrion. Moiraine is writing a letter to Swan. And she writes, we see the um, the translation of the very cool Wheel of Time lettering. Yeah. That um, she has been stilled. And I'm like, is this proof? <laughs> I don't think it's proof. I think that just means she thinks she's been stilled, which we know. Agreed. We don't know. <laughs> yes. Okay. We are going to continue to live in hope. No, you're going to keep living in delusion. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's been stilled. She's going to fall through that doorway and one of her things is going to get her power back when she comes back. That could. I like that as a resolution to this Moiraine being stilled nonsense. I love that. And if that is what they do, yes, I am here for it. Also in an unpowered fight, an unpowered Moiraine, who still takes down Lanfear twice, <laughs> is, like, gonna make her so badass. Yeah. Like, oh, I I hope they keep that fight, or some, I, the spiritual successor to that fight in some way. That fight is one of my favorite fights in all of the series. Barthanas brings Moiraine, oh, yeah? I was what I was gonna say. Barthanas bringing her the sandwich. He's so cute. <laughs> He's just trying. He's really trying. He's he's precious and needs to be protected at all costs, even if he is a dark friend. I don't care. He is, his actor is precious, and he's adorable. He's not giving me dark friend energy in the show. In the show, no. But I mean, canonically, he is, isn't he? Yeah. So it's gonna be a hard turn, but because he's just he brings in the sandwich and he's like, do you? Re- do you remember how you used to tell me I made the best sandwiches because I put butter on both sides of the bread? And she's like, this is so precious. <laughs> and Maureen is just like, just leave it. Maureen is so grumpy <laughs> at him and I feel so bad for him. Yep. Well, on there, Mama bears the heck out of this after seeing how grumpy Moiraine is. On Verit, like, she's, like, kind of spying on their conversation. It's like, oh, okay, this could be cute. I'm going to let it lie. And then as soon as she sees how upset Barthanas is, she's like, nah. 
like busts open that door, goes up to Moiraine and is like, how dare you? Like, why does everyone in the family like you? Like, you're not <laughs> worth it. Like, why didn't you even come and see us when our dad died? Uh, probably because she was hunting the dragon reborn, but she can't tell Anver that. Mm-hmm. And then Anver attempts to kick Moiraine out of the house. And Moiraine is just like, I'm the older sister. This is actually my house. So suck it. Right? Like, damn. <laughs> she's like oh, i'm older than you i could kick you out yep. and on has no good comeback for that um and so leaves and moiraine goes back to writing her letter and we see that she's received i think it's like at least three but presumably like many many letters from swan mm-hmm. yeah now on did have one thing to say like she called her her mother Ooh, true she's like you're nothing like him you are just like our mother and then leaves and like i don't know anything about their mother but I can imagine that it is not a good thing. Yep. It's ice cold. Didn't sound like a compliment. <laughs> no, it did not sound like a compliment at all. Nope. Um, we cut to Swan, who is riding in her carriage, and it looks like she is sitting literally on the Omerlin seat throne in the <laughs> carriage. So I kind of think that they take the Omerlin seat wherever Swan goes, which is incredible. I uh, Yes. <laughs> Just, that thing does not look light, but they make it, I mean, they have the one power, so I guess it's fine. <laughs> but that, that is the funniest detail. And also in the episode preview for episode seven, we see her sitting in the Omerlin seat in Carrion, which means that like, yes, like she does literally take it with her. Like, what a flex. You know what? I am I am the Omerlin seat and you can prove it. I can prove it to you because here is my throne that I take with me everywhere I go. Here is the Omerlin seat mobile. Yeah. And wild. And I thought when she hears a horse approaching the carriage at a great speed and she embraces the power and it weaves this like crown around her. I don't know if that was like some sort of protection or what, but it just looks so cool because like the power comes in and, and I guess it's spirit. I, I can't remember what the colors are. I think it's air. Is it air? Well, they were daggers, weren't they? Like she could have used them to kill people. Oh, was it? Or was it a crown of swords? <laughs> it was like a crown of swords. It did look like a crown of swords. Or daggers, really. <laughs> swords, daggers, pointy things you stick in other people. Yeah. It's more than it's a book title. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a crown of swords that made a path of daggers. That- yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, I historically on this podcast don't know book titles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is um, also very similar to the weave that Moiraine attempts to use against Ashamayel in the end of episode eight. There was a great gift set that I saw that's like put the two weaves side by side. It looks very similar. So I'm like, is this like a girl? Like obviously making a sword out of air, whatever. We've seen Lanfear do that. Not Lanfear. Leandrin do that. Presumably every Aes Sedai can do that at some point. But like to have it be like floating and have there be several of them, maybe this is a Moiraine and Swan special. Maybe. But also it just looked like a, a the whole crown. Like it gave it was echoing the Amberlin seat behind her. It was very cool. Queen knew what she was doing. Yes. <laughs> but she didn't need to because it was Lan. It's Lan. He shows up and he presumably tells her something about my reign i can't remember if we see another land and my and uh swan scene before swan shows up in carrion no because the n- next thing we s- we don't think we see land again until the end until the end of the episode where he stops uh Rand. yeah um but the next we see of swan is she is in carrion and she is called 14 Aes Sedai to come with her an interesting number 
And we see yeah. Leandrin. We see, oh, what is her name? Yasuka. Yasuka. And like uh, Varen is there. Basically every Aes Sedai of consequence who we have seen in the show. I, was Varen there? I didn't. It, she's there in the, I currently have the episode pulled up and she is there in the x-ray. Okay. I remember thinking I should go back and look, but I did not. Leanne is there. Yeah, definitely saw Leanne and Yasuka and Leandrin, obviously. Yeah. So why do we think she's called 14 Aes Sedai? That's a good question. If one of them is one that she's going to accuse of something and she needs 13 to do something to them. Yeah, I don't know. Also, Alana is there. And I'm pretty sure Joya is there as well, but only because we see her in the episode preview for episode seven. Well, yeah, Al- Alana was there because of Ran. Oh, Lan. Why did I say Ran? <laughs> they, are, they are all there, presumably because of Rand. I have a feeling that Lan is like, yeah, we found the Dragon Reborn. Myrene is probably in Kyrian. The Dragon Reborn is probably in Kyrian. Oh, the 13 I said I would be to control Rand. Yes, but she called 14, which I think is interesting. Yeah, with me, she doesn't trust one of them. Fair, she has at least two members of the Black... Actually, she's got like three members of the Black Aja here, so... Which three? I mean, if, if, I, if I say there's going to be a lot Wait, of I know spoilers. two, but then... Joya is also there. Oh, yeah. you did say Joya was there. Joya's there, Leandrin's there. A third member of the Black Aja is there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Half member. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all the Ajahs are represented, presumably. <laughs> yes, all eight. Yep, all eight. <laughs> all, the main seven and then that secret eighth one. Anyway, um, so... The only other thing we haven't talked about is everything involving Egwene that wasn't the cold open, <laughs> because yeah, we- I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like it's going to be a lot, and it was. A, I wanted to talk about it all at once. Agreed. Because I don't think I could do the emotional whiplash of talking about it and then talking about something else, and then talking about it and then talking about something else. After the cold open, the next time we see Egwene is this really well done dream sequence, or imaginary sequence like something in her mind where she gets a jug of water and beats Rena with it and then like punches her in the face over and over again presumably killing Rena and then it immediately cuts to like Egwene in reality with Rena coming in the door and her trying to go for the jug and the fact that like she can't again more incredible acting from Madeline uh, Madden here and like she can't and she's like forced all the way back because of how much like intense pain she is being subjected to mm-hmm. Rena is like really clear that like Egwene can't hurt her like and she's not going to be able to touch anything that she considers a weapon yeah she's like you're not a person anymore like you're a demone uh you're not a woman yeah the way that Rena talks about that is just it's like so casual like she's talking to a dog and it's almost disgusting (laughs) like i don't know how else to describe it it's it gives me chills every time she did it yeah it's it's a very dehumanizing type of condescension like she doesn't think of Egwene as like lower than her she literally doesn't think of Egwene as a human being no it's terrifying after Rena leaves, we see Egwene look out of her cell window and look at this tree, and we zoom out and we see that she is indeed in the kennels, as we knew, and that there's a bunch of Soldom and Domine walking around, and, like, she's clearly in this, like, the hub of, like, Shan Chan power and control. 
After Rand shows up in Egwene's dreams, she wakes up and she thinks she's losing it. She like there's like some really good shots of her being like, get it together, like you're losing it. Um, And every time we cut back to Egwene in this episode, she's looking worse and worse. Like time is passing and like her torture is like just getting worse and worse. Like at first it's like just like a bloody nose. Then her cheek starts to get cut up. Yeah. Eventually, like one of her eyes is like fully bloodshot. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's it's very clear that like as time is passing, like Egwene is being subjected to like worse and worse tortures. Well, and, and most of them are likely self-inflicted because she hasn't had anything to eat or drink because she views the pitcher of water as a weapon. She can't touch it. And every time she tries to touch it, she's being tortured by her own efforts. Yeah, that's the most horrifying part about the Adam is like, or Adam is like, they don't physically need to do anything to you. Like all of the torture, most of the torture is going to be self-inflicted. Like you can't touch the bracelet and chain as we see from Egwene earlier. She tries to go for it after Rena leaves at one point and she's again like subjected to intense pain and like forced back and like crawls all the way across her cell in order to get away from it and is just absolutely horrified by it. We come back to her a little while later and she's trying to remove the Adam again. Still can't, of course. She's never going to be able to by herself. Rena... It does seem like she's getting more and more frustrated with Egwene and with Egwene, like, not breaking. Um, she tells Egwene that an Aes Sedai created the Adam. I feel like this is book canon, is. but I also feel like this is a stretch on book canon. It's not. It's not? Okay. I couldn't remember if she was, like, an actual Aes Sedai, the woman who created it. It wasn't the current, the tower we knew yet. Okay. Like, um, after the breaking the tower, it, it took some time to reestablish the Aes Sedai, but, like, Aes Sedai existed before Tarvalon, but she was an Aes Sedai, mm. and uh, uh, she created it for Luther Pendrag, who turned around and used it on her. Yeah, tough stuff. Yeah. Rana also says, I hope they told you at the White Tower how special you are, which, like, I feel like this line in particular contributes to why Egwene breaks later, because, like, they didn't tell her she was special at the Tower. She was just another novice. Nynaeve was the special one. Mm-hmm. Nynaeve was the one who was celebrated. And that was like part of Egwene's issue for like this whole season until now. Yeah. Rena then links with Egwene through the Adam um, and teaches her the weave to like burn the tree, which I'm pretty sure is f- it's definitely fire. I couldn't tell if it was earth or water. I think it's earth. And, like, during this, you can see that, like, Rena is just, like, she's elated to have, like, all of Egwene's power running through her. Like, it's such a rush. She's, like, really just, like, overwhelmed, but not quite as overwhelmed as Amalisa was last season. And she, when they stop being linked and Egwene still can't touch the jug, like, Rena is so upset that Egwene is not as excited about linking as she is. Yeah, because before she commands her to grab the the jug, she's like, couldn't you just feel this? Can't you just feel how we're linked and how we're one? And Egwene is not feeling that, because, like, Rena is feeling this because it's allowing her to touch the source, and she is a woman who can channel, and it's completing that and allowing her to do that. Egwene obviously has been had the freedom to channel as as a novice, and it's just it was almost like a petulant child being like, "Well, if you're not having fun, I'm not having fun," and then she freaking kicks her. Yeah, I also think it's worth mentioning that we have well, Rena has said 
about the tree specifically. Like, I know this tree gives you a lot of pleasure viewing it. Right. Like, outside of your window. And then this is what she goes for to show Egwene, like, their joint power. Like, no, Egwene's not going to be happy about that. Right. Of course she's not going to be happy about that. Really, you took a book out of Lanfear's Recruiting Tactics. Just taking away what you love. <laughs> and that means you'll follow me, right? Here, you love this thing? You'll love me instead, right? No. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Fenya. I was like, cho- choices are made. <laughs> choices were made by Rena in this moment uh, that I don't necessarily agree with. Then, like, later we come back to Egwene very near the end of the episode. Um, and, like, her last scene with Rena of this episode is overspersed or interspersed with Rima's getting collared. And, like, that juxtaposition made both of those scenes hit so hard. Like, I, it's, I think it's part of why the end of this episode, like, really, like, it's like a gut punch. It's like we've punched ourselves in our face, just like Egwene has done to, her, to herself the entire episode. Yeah, because, like, you're, you're, you're watching Nynaeve, or not Nynaeve, you're watching Egwene fighting to actually touch the picture, and then you're watching Basin die, and then you're watching Egwene desperately trying to catch the picture and then you you see her killing the soldom and the domine and then at some point Egwene actually like collapsed Rena um gets really upset with her and literally grabs her by her collar <sighs> right and hoists her up onto the like spike where she had been putting the bra- the like bracelet part of the autumn and the leash and like lets her hang there and like like suffocates Egwene <sighs> that way as like part of Egwene's torture to like and like this is like also what really breaks Egwene it broke me and like Rena is like this is your home now like you're never going to leave here you belong here like continues with the like psychological and physical torture at the same time um, and like Egwene is just like like choking and like really really like cl- trying to claw at the Adam, which of course would only hurt her more yeah it's it's rough i had i think i had blocked the the hanging out of my brain because that was traumatic this this is the moment in the episode where i disassociated and i was like look at this incredible acting that's happening right. like, yes. <laughs> like this is a show this is a show this is a show this is not actually happening these are fictional characters this is a show like i had to be like Oh man, Madeline Madden and Shelia Mendez Jones are really killing this scene right now because, like, I could not focus on what was actually happening. Yeah. Uh, it was too much. And then we see Egwene finally grab the pitcher and pour the water. And Rena just takes the cup and pours it out, pats her on the head like a dog, and says, Good girl, and leaves. And, like, the scream and sobs that come out of Egwene. As she's chugging the water and screaming and mm-hmm. crying and my god that like that hurt yeah like that was painful the pain's not over yet because then we hear my again mm-hmm. being like you lasted longer than i did child like i was a sitter of the blue aja and we pan from a gwen cell to my again and Megan is just sitting there and like then we see her we finally see the actress again and Megan is, is like sitting there like her arms around her knees um and like attempts to like be comforting but not comforting uh to Egwene and it's just like oh my god 
like, are these ever, these two ever going to be okay? Someone please go save them. And like, you know, that's going to happen with Rema too. Like, oh, I, I actually felt that that scene was a little more comforting because in the books, I feel like the Damani who have been trained have less um, self than Maigen showed. And so that makes me wonder if it's going to be a little easier for these women to bounce back in the show than it is for them in the books. I don't know if that's going to be true or not. I mean, we'll see. But that, like, seeing that, that was my thought. I sincerely hope so. I, I've, I've, I'm worried about Megan. I'm worried she's going to die this season. <laughs> the other thing that we know from the books, which I'm assuming they're going to keep in the show, is that, like, I said I actually make pretty terrible Demone because they can't use the one power as a weapon the way that Demone should. Yeah. So I, I wonder if we're going to get to the big battle um, that's going to come at the end of this season and they're going to march Megan out like all of the other Demone and she's going to be like powerless and get taken out really early, like before she can even use the one power to like protect herself, which I hope not. Isn't she, and obviously this could change because they're not doing everything by the books, but isn't Megan supposed to be one of Egwene's Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Uh, one of her um, advisors. Confidants? I don't remember if it was her. Uh... I saw I saw someone say that. This is this is not me remembering Megan because I don't remember any of the like non-main character Aes Sedai. But I saw someone comment that that she is supposed to be one of Egwene's advisors. The only thing that I have for her is all from the show yeah i don't know that um yes so actually according to the wiki page she is a member of Egwene's council of advisors okay okay i mean that would actually like i would love that i would love for her to get free to not be killed and for her to be part of that and to have that be a reason that like she supports Egwene during all of the saladar nonsense yeah Although she's the only one who isn't sworn loyalty, hasn't sworn loyalty to Gwen, apparently. <laughs> well, I think in the show that will yes. change because, um, hello. <laughs> Assuming that we do Saladar nonsense, um, I hope that they cut that down. There's a lot of Saladar nonsense in the books. We could do we could do less of that. But the yeah, that's that's the end of, of the episode. Are we all okay? Maybe. <laughs> TBD, depending depending on the other two episodes in the season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, I as much as it was, like, so hard to sit through an entire episode of Egwene being tortured like this and being turned into a Demone, I like that they didn't have her rescued at the end of the episode. Like, it, it makes this episode's stakes continue to land. And, like, I think if they had just, like, been able to save her at the end or, like, I don't know, somehow swoop in and save her. I feel like it wouldn't have hit as hard because like you end this episode being like, genuinely, is Egwene going to be okay? Uh, the answer is no. <laughs> but she's going to use this PTSD to her best benefit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you about um, yeah. her not being rescued makes it feel uh, higher stakes. I think it would have felt cheap if she got rescued immediately. Not that I like seeing her in this situation, because it's a hard situation to view anyone in. Um, yeah. But I do think that it it makes it feel like they're 
are consequences to the Shanshan's invasion. Like they are a credible threat. Yeah. Yeah. I also understand the eyes without pity now. The title of the, the thing very clearly. Mm-hmm. The Soldom's eyes. They had no pity. None. And they just saw a misbehaving dog that they needed to train. And man, like both of those actors need Emmy nominations for that. Like, honestly, this episode, for that reason, like the performance from those two was amazing. Agreed. Well, I really sincerely hope that Rena dies because ugh, I also don't want her to because I want to have more Celia Mendez Jones on my screen as Rena. Well, yes. <laughs> so I'm very torn because, like, that would mean significantly more Rena and Egwene interacting, which I don't want. I want, I want negative more of that <laughs> um, in the context of the show. But maybe we can get uh, Celia Mendez Jones and Madeline Madden to be acting opposite each other in some future thing where they can be friends. <laughs> Celia Mendez Jones comes in for an unrelated role. And the Wheel of Time. <laughs> yeah. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that for them. No one ever comments on how uh, they resemble Rena. Yep. Is it Rena's twin sister, Olivia? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, yes. If they recast <laughs> Celia Mendez Jones to be Olivia, yes. Rafe, please. Please do that for us. <laughs> Although, does Olivia and, do Olivia and Egwene ever interact? I don't think so. No. Because she she was with Rand the whole time. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe we can smush those those two plot lines together in some way, shape, or form, and they can interact. Maybe maybe she goes with Rand goes to to not kneel in front of a queen. Oh God. <laughs> I'm so. I can't wait. I can't wait for that scene. Although I really hope it's a lot better than in the books because it's one of my least favorite scenes in the books. But it's just it's when we get there in the reread, like in you know a decade from now, we'll talk about it. <laughs> So one book a year. Exactly. <laughs> we'll read them just as quickly as Robert Jordan wrote them. Oh, then, then we'll be doing this three decades. Yeah. Now. Although those first books, like, there were two books that were published in a year. I think it's like two and three came out in a year. Yeah. The first six, first bit six books came out pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. Then he got sick. Yeah, he didn't get sick for a while, but the rest the next books took a little bit longer to come out. Yeah. In any case, well... Uh, I hope our listeners are also doing okay. If you guys need to skip this episode on any rewatch, we get it. We get it. This episode's real tough. Uh, it's doing, for Egwene, a lot of good character work uh, in the most painful way possible. And it's doing fun stuff for Rand and Matt. And I, I still I still feel pretty solid on where I started at the beginning, which is that I, I do think this episode from a directorial standpoint, jumps around too much. It remains my favorite episode of the season to date. I, I like the jumping around myself, but that's my attention span. <laughs> <laughs> fair. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta change points of view every five minutes. Distracted. <laughs> I just want one full conversation that isn't Egwene and Rena. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please show. <laughs> In this episode, yes. Uh, well, that's all That's all we've got for you on this episode today. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for joining us on Tarvalin Talks. 
If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about, feel free to send us an email to producer.tvt at gmail.com or you can join us on tarvala.net. In our general forums, we have a special thread called Tarvalan Talks pinned at the top of the page. You can also chat with us via tarvala.net's Discord server and the Tarvalan Talks Discord channel. Stay tuned for our next episode where we discuss episode 7 of season 2 of the TV show. See you next time.